This is the MLB Extras Nationals podcast. Tim McMaster here along with uh, Jamal Collier, our MLB.com Nationals reporter. And Jamal, we're going to talk about the catchers on this team on this podcast. We're going to talk about some prospects as well. MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects list is out this week. It was unveiled Saturday night on MLB Network. Uh, before we get to those topics, though, we got to check in on the Bryce Harper saga and the latest turn in this twist and turn world of where will Bryce Harper go is a new team, of course, at this point, as we get ready to jump into the month of February. That new team being the San Diego Padres, who are meeting with Bryce Harper. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, and he's reportedly meeting with the club. I mean, San Diego has it all. They're not a winner right now. It seems like they may be ready to win soon. They have a bunch of young prospects. But are you surprised that this late in the game, there's suddenly kind of a new team involved? Uh, I'm not. I'm, first of all, I'm excited. There's some news. There's something new to talk sure. about. We've talked about the same couple teams and destinations and, and prospects for, for so long here. And um, I'm, I'm not surprised. I always kind of thought as this thing kind of dragged on and on and on, I thought it would happen probably a little bit sooner, is that we would now start to hear other teams jump in the mix and i think that this is you know it's it's difficult to gauge exactly what the padres level of interest is we'll probably know more of that in the next coming days and this weekend and such but um when you think about it you know whether or not to check in and just see exactly what that price or what that market exactly is now you know is it still some of the numbers that we were throwing out years ago or the beginning of the the start of the off season or is is that price come down can you get him for some kind of a relative bargain i think that those are things that you know any team would be prudent to explore and you know the padres check off a lot of boxes i think you know it's, it's not necessarily the team that everybody would have predicted or expected bryce to, to kind of to one his potential landing spots but you know this is a team that one is on the west coast we're talking about close in proximity to vegas which i don't think is a be all end all but i think it's, it's a plus um, i think you're talking about a team that uh, is a great ballpark and a, you know the jerseys and it's just I think it's a, a franchise that you know it's a cool place to play and obviously live in san diego which is a, a, a glamorous city um i think that also this team is is they're not been a winner yet but they've got a lot of, of really good prospects one of the best farm systems in baseball and i think a guy like bryce knows that um studies that and understands that all right if he's trying to solve some kind of long term deal or be in a place for an extended period of time that they're on the kind of upswing as far as you know teams that will be good in the next five years to the next decade and i think that those are all just positives that i could see if the money is there and if everything else is kind of equal i can see this being a fit for bryce um it makes sense to kind of explore and again we don't we don't know exactly what the level of interest and what will come out of that meeting as of right now but um you know it's exciting to have another team another prospect um you know open up here to see exactly where he could eventually land one interesting thing as this continues to drag on and we continue to hear numbers and talk about bargains and the number coming down um with all of that said does that mean at this point that either the 10-year 300 million dollar offer that was reported about from the nationals wasn't a thing or is no longer a thing because it seems like at this point it's almost like he he should just go back and take it. Yeah, well, well, I think there's a couple of things to to think about. One is, is that you know we don't know for sure whether or not that number has come down. <laughs> and, and I think that even like last year when we saw some of the guys who who lingered on, you know, uh, into into February and into March, JD Martinez, Jake Arrieta, and such, a lot of those guys got paid relatively close to what we expected. Um, you Darvish remember like took a while and he got about exactly he signed in January. Talking about about well, what people predicted for him, even probably a little bit more. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's important to, to know that because of who who his agent is and because of kind of the way that Scott Boris has, has done things before, um, there's a lot of times where they'll just wait. 
wait. You know, they'll wait until they get that number or that 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 uh, exact whatever it might be. So I think that you know that's also important to note that it, that there may not be a, a deal or a value on the table necessarily. Um, you know, and I think that on one hand, I think that's why it's difficult to say whether or not it, that offer is on the table or not. I think the Nationals. Um, you know, are still very, very wary of, of approaching the luxury tax. And I think that, you know, now they being a, a guarantee that they sign Bryce as something of contract like that, that they have to extend that number, I think, makes me, you know, wary that I think that I don't think it's a, it's a good. I do think if it was just there right now for the taking, that perhaps he would have already taken it. He'd be a national at, at this point. Um, but I think there's probably something that these two sides would be able, be able to negotiate that's clear, you know, near that number. And it's, again, kind of speculation here. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's... It's fair to, to wonder um, whether or not, you know, I think I, I think my, my point is that, you know, I don't think the number has necessarily gone down just because he's, he's now taking meetings with other teams necessarily. I think that, you know, he still has expressed an interest that he'll wait and he wants that decade-long contract and wants something that kind of approaches around that kind of numbers and value. And I think that, you know, I'm still relatively confident it'll look closer to that than something kind of a short-term deal on, on some other end. We will find out eventually. Um, you start to see all the news stories about late signings over the years and yeah. J.D. Martinez a year ago and, and all sorts of different guys who signed late, some of them paying off, some of them not so much. And we're going to find out soon enough about Harper and also Manny Machado, of course, too. We hope, we hope right. soon enough. Uh, <laughs> All right, the top 100 prospects list was out, as I said, and the Nationals have some guys on there. Um, Victor Robles, the top guy, number four, um, according in all of baseball, according to that list, he's a guy that probably would have graduated from that list if he hadn't been injured in 2018. And I bring him up first because if Bryce Harper doesn't return, Victor Robles is a pretty good guy to plug into that outfield. Yeah, and I think that you know whether or not Bryce is, is there or not, I think they're pretty committed to seeing what they have with Robles. And you're right; I thought that they they thought that they'd probably be a path for him to play a lot last year, and eventually to kind of make his way up. And it didn't happen because of the injury, which you know they, they're taking as a I don't see a net positive, but they're looking at the silver lining of it is that they, they have to see what Juan Soto had, and obviously he and what he did for his second in the rookie of the year award. Um, but I think Robles is going to get his shot to get to play everyday center fielder this year, and whether that's with Harper in right field or, or with Adam Eaton in right field is kind of remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I think that they've seen enough from him through the minors you know, in his short time in the majors and it's kind of two September call-ups that they want him to play and they think he's ready and it has a chance to make an impact. Not quite, it's hard to say like what Soto did last year because that was just kind of historic um, in, a, you know, in his impact, but they think they have kind of another player like that that, could come up and kind of spark this team and just be an extra um, impact bat and an impact player in the middle of their lineup. And then another guy that, that looked like he was going to be a bigger factor in 2019. Maybe now it's the ease off and you pump the brakes a little bit on Carter Keyboom, take your time. Um, and maybe he's a bigger factor in 2020. He's the Nationals number two prospect. Um, he also checking in there and, and he's a guy that if needed with injuries, I don't think he'll be ready the first half of the season, Jamal, but I would think in the second half of the season, if he gets off to a good start, he could be an emergency guy that they could go down and pull up if they need him. And we see the Nationals over the last couple of seasons, you know, they've not been afraid to do that. With Trey Turner a couple of years ago, when he kind of started out in the minors and there wasn't really a spot for him, and he started lighting it up, then they found a spot and put him in center field. You know, Juan Soto obviously was a little bit of, of need, but also he was lighting it up in the minors. And they say, okay, we'll find a spot. We'll, we'll bring him up. Uh, Lucas Giolito even a couple of years ago, so it's, it's kind of similar to that. Um, you know, I think that one, they're in a good, they're in a, an advantageous position because they can force, they can make Kibum force their hand. 
right now, I think they're good. They have Brian Doge. They have some depth at second base. Obviously, Trey Turner's their shortstop. You know, they they don't need Carter Keboom to be ready right right away here at, at 21 and or 20, uh, 21 and just, you know, coming up through the minors here, just coming through to a double A. And I think that, you know, because of that, they can kind of let him go. They're going to try to adjust him to second base because they have Trey Turner kind of blocking him, you know, for the future right now. They let him get some reps. He's going to play there really so literally. They want him to get reps there to make sure he's kind of good there and comfortable just with all the footwork and turning to a plays and all, the, and all those kind of things. And I think that, you know, they can wait until he proves that he's 100% ready. And that can be as early as this summer. If he kind of goes and lights it up, it can be sometime next year. And I think that, you know, that's kind of where they wanted with him is that, hey, if he's, if he's ready and he's kind of lighting it up in the minors, we're willing to be aggressive. But also we're going to give him time. And if it takes him a little bit longer to kind of get his feet together or something else at the player or one last week to make sure that when he's up and, and, you know, called up to the majors, that he's there for the long haul and not kind of have it bouncing back and forth. All right, and that brings us finally to the catcher spot as we continue to go around the horn with this roster and get people ready for spring training, which is just a couple of weeks away now. And um, it's a it's a whole new cast there as far as the catchers go as the Nationals went out this winter and made moves to shore up that position. And it's not a starter and a backup necessarily, more of a 1A, 1B situation, Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes. We've talked about each of these guys as they were added to the roster. Um, when you get to opening day, which of those guys gets that start? Do you think? I, I think Jan Gomes will be more likely, more you know, more often of the one A. Um, that if he can, can kind of repeat what he's done last year and, and, and show him kind of what he's made all star teams in the past, that what he uh, you know what he's capable of. I think they ideally see him getting probably the majority of the bats. If, if no one's really throwing a number out yet, but I do see it kind of maybe being a ninety seventy or whatever it is, kind of the split between them. Um, somewhere closer than I think the young Gomes will probably carry the the, the heavyweight, you know, lift, heavy lifting of that. Um, but I, I, really, I really like these moves. I think at the time I, I was, you know, in on both of them together and I, you know, I spoke kind of glowingly about just what they had to do something to catcher. And I thought that, you know, when you look at just the combined, there's so few catchers that have been better than the average at the plate for the last couple of years. They have two of them. And, you know, I think that just gives you options and give you guys that you don't have to worry about wearing one guy out or leading into one guy or whatever it might be. That you know they feel um, you know instead of just kind of getting there was obviously there was guys out there was Brand all there was Reed Mitchell been out there for a while and there were guys who they could have went and got but it's, you know, if if the price was too high on on trading for Reed Mitchell or whatever um, I think that this was a good move to kind of sh- make sure that position has been such a, a weakness really for them since Wilson Ramos left to make sure it's kind of a, a one of the unquestioned strengths it's one of the one reason that their lineup is going to be still pretty good next year because returning wood was really kind of a negative spot in order to to what should be a plus and you need more depth than that over the yeah. long haul probably somebody get banged up or, or have to sit out some time and they have some other guys in the organization as well you have Carter's brother, Spencer Keeboom, also Pedro Severino. Uh, how do they fit in as far as number three and number four? Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's another advantage here is too. So, you know, the young guys played a lot last year. They, you know, had mixed results, really didn't hit at the plate. Um, and, and it, you know, got better as, as the game calling and kind of behind the plate and such. But you know, really, I think that Severino especially, and I, I feel like took a, kind of a step back in his progress last year. They thought that he would maybe be ready to be a, a kind of more take on a more playing role last year and this year. And really, they kind of needed one of those guys with that weak injury kind of took the ball. Spencer Kipo actually was a guy who was playing a lot more than what Severino did uh, down the stretch. But yeah, I, I think that you know 
they're in a spot where, again, those guys are going to be able to go and, and have a spring training and, and go into the minors and try to really figure themselves out and hopefully continue to get better. But if it does come to something like that, if, if, if someone gets hurt or whatever, they need to kind of be called up to make more appearances that, you know, they, they can hopefully start to develop more. Um, I think the organization still has, you know, still still views Severino favorably and still thinks that he can be a, uh, a, an everyday or close to everyday catcher in the majors at some point. Um, but, you know, again, he just he took a really big step back and really at any point in the minors outside of kind of maybe a flash here or there, he just hasn't hit consistently enough to kind of justify, you know, 400, 500 plate appearances. And I think that, um, you know, they have a, in a similar way, they have to give themselves some time here to be to be a little more patient and let these guys develop as, as best as they can. But, you know, right now, I think this is, um, you know, really going to be a, a key year, especially for, for Severino to see exactly where his future is with his organization, because if he you know doesn't get able to see the field, isn't able to kind of make sure any any strides in the minors or such, um, I'm not sure if he has a future. And I feel like his, uh, you know, the, the, the st- as high as they were on him a year or two ago, I think that all that kind of stock kind of quickly be evaporated. It's a team that is going to count on its starting rotation and pitching as a whole. And if you're going to do that, you need good catching. And the Nationals went out this winter and took care of that issue as well. Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes will be the main guys. And then there's depth after that. So that catcher position certainly shored up heading into 2019. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal Collier. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. You can find all our club podcasts at MLB.com backslash podcast. Also on Google Play and Apple Podcast as well. That'll do it for this edition of the Nationals Podcast. For Jamal Collier, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you for listening.